Welcome to The Weekly, a podcast from Calvary Bible Church, where we seek to connect the events of the weekend with our lives lived Monday through Friday. My name is Zach Thompson, and I'm here with two, two people with me. One of them is usual, but wonderful, Jay Ewing. What is up? What is up, my peeps? Who else is who? Who else is here? Uh, we have the, the one, one and only Harry Marshall. Ooh, hey guys! Hi, Good to be here. welcome. Hey Zach, you need to talk about something real quick. What's that? This could be our last podcast ever because we're talking about the last days of Jesus. Oh, see, you kept talking about that, and I was like, man. I was on here one time, <laughs> and already the podcast has been canceled? No. Nope. Oh, man. But since it's the last one possibly ever, I brought you coffee. Yes, you did. So awesome. I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, and Perry Marshall took a sip, which I'm sorry to his wife, because Perry's going to be up the rest of the night. Just buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> I've hung out with Perry long enough, Zach, that I know that he cannot drink coffee after noon, and he did. Yeah. well, It's I, my fault. I can't help but notice you knew that about him. You brewed this coffee. You offered him this coffee. <laughs> and yet you had that knowledge. Yeah. I'm an enabler of coffee drinking. Mm. Yeah. I'm sorry. Huh. Working on that. Uh-huh. Uh, working on that. Hey, uh, also, we got some great things planned in this podcast. Like Zach said, this is a podcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. In case you didn't know this, we are an EFCA church. What does that mean, Zach? Uh, isn't that that our financial organization no, that we're part of? That is ECFA. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So we are part of the Evangelical Free Churches of America, a gathering of churches defined by a common uh, a missional, or sorry, common doctrinal statement. Right. So individually organized and led in that way. Started originally from some Swedish immigrants. One of the joys of my life. I got to go from an Evangelical Free Church of America on a missions trip to Stockholm, Ooh, Sweden. That's awesome. Yeah, it was oh, kind of like returning man. back the, the the deposit of faith given to us. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, to go back there to a place that very much so needs Jesus now. Yeah. Okay, be honest. Did you bring back Swedish fish? Uh, I did not. I did not. No. Uh, nor, nor did I bring back Scandinavian swimmers, which yeah. if you've been to Trader Joe's, that's their Swedish fish. They yeah. call it Scandinavian <laughs> swimmers. There you go. Yeah. Emily loves the sour Scandinavian swimmers. They that's a really funny name. Fun <laughs> I've yeah. never heard of that. That's so good. Yeah. There go. That's good. Hey, uh, we also have a great podcast for you today. Just a heads up. This podcast might go a little longer than our normal podcast at 30 minutes because we are talking about some major, some important, some complex theological ideas. And that theological ideas mean just means that, hey, we're going to be talking a lot about Jesus over this period and what to expect of Christ's return because that was when we were in our text this Sunday on all three campuses, all four campuses, on the online campus as well. Hey, but before we get there, Zach, I've got to do announcements. Is it okay? Uh, yeah. Is this a good spot to do announcements? Yeah, that sounds great. So if the Lord doesn't return, you want to go to calvarybible.com slash events. We got some great things happening this summer. First and foremost is Kids Week is happening June 14th through the 18th. Bolt, total 80s. I made the joke with Gary this weekend that, I feel old that they're referencing the 80s as a cool throwback. I was a kid of the 80s, mm. you know? Mm. How were the 70s for you, Jay? I was not in the 70s, mm. Perry Marshalls, but okay. you were. Mm-hmm. D- do you want to know how long I was in the 80s? Or, or yeah, no? yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, a year and three months. Oh, so wow. I, I remember them vividly. Yeah, totally. <laughs> also, we got middle school camp coming up June 21st through 26th. Maranatha, you want to sign up your middle schoolers, high school camp happening this summer. And then just to throw out some random events happening at Calvary, we have the Women's Pizza and Ice Cream Social in Thornton, June 5th. Yeah. Sounds like a fun time. There you go. I'm going to try to sneak in just to get some of that pizza and ice cream and a little bit of that. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Well, now that I won't. That you're the campus pastor, you probably have to make an appearance. Yeah, I mean. Official blessing of the event. Oh, that's a. will use that as a cover. Great idea. I'm here to pray for you and then leave with my food. (laughs) 
Yeah, I know how this works. Mm-hmm. I've been in the game a long time. Also, we have a lot of great women's Bible studies happening actually this summer. You can go to calvarybible.com slash events to find out about those. And then always, since we have three dudes in the room, let's talk about men's ministry. Go to calvarybible.com slash men to find out what's happening in men's ministry. Yeah, it's good. Go props. Yeah, so you talked uh, about how we have a really big, uh, unfortunately divisive at times topic to go through. And what's really important to, to say at the beginning, we aren't cherry picking these passages to get there. Like we aren't, uh, we aren't trying to be controversial. We're talking about it because it's in the text, and yeah. uh, not just in the text. Our past week, uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy have been building to this, uh, talking about the coming of Jesus, uh, mentioned in chapter one, mentioned in chapter two, in chapter three as well. And now here we are, an extended section that goes from chapter four to chapter five. Every single chapter of this letter that we're going through in First Thessalonians has been building or talking about this key point. And that key point is Jesus is coming back and how we live in light of that truth. Yeah, and also just to not make light of your your sermon in Thornton, but you had them circle a verse over and over again because Jesus' return also does something for the life of the believer. What is it? Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how we live expectantly uh, for that, but one of the key things that we're supposed to do, the, the whole reason why we're given this glimpse, this little glimpse into the truth that Jesus will come back is so that we can have hope, and with that hope, we can encourage one another. Mm. And it's brought up at the end of chapter 4 and right there at the end of our chap- uh, section in, in 5.11, uh, the exact same wording, encourage one another. That's right. And we hope today with Perry Marshall in the booth, along with Zach and myself, just to encourage you in your faith as you consider the implications of Christ's return. Yeah. That's good. Uh, Perry, so we're, we're talking about Jesus' return, and that is in the text. We will talk about that. But we were talking, Tom, uh, on the online and at Erie, you at Boulder, and uh, myself at, at Thornton, that isn't the primary thrust of the text. That's not the primary source of encouragement and hope, is it? Ask that one more time. Okay. I what is this that. text uh, first and foremost about? Oh, right. So we already said it in the terms of encouragement for the application, but what Paul's getting at here is in chapter four, verse 13, he's addressing a concern that apparently the Thessalonians have, which is the state of those who have already died. Mm -hmm. He uses the word asleep, which just is in the ancient world, a way of talking about death. So they were concerned about those who had already died. Probably what's going on here is that Um, Since Paul and Silas and Timothy have left Thessalonica and the time that is between then and when they're writing this letter, some people within the church at Thessalonica have died. And the people who are are there in the church now are concerned about their state. What's going to happen when Christ returns, when Christ comes? Will they miss out on it some way? Will they be disadvantaged some way? And so Paul says very clearly, and I love how clear he is here, He says, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. So Paul's purpose here is to give them hope in the midst of a situation that they feel like is discouraging to them. I love that, that Paul is just a pastoral shepherd and he understands their fears. Yeah. And he wants to, he knows that scripture understands their fears and addresses them by, by giving them some hope that just has recently happened and they're everyday context of their life. I love that. Yeah, that's good. And again, we'll, we'll talk about it. We're just about to jump into some of these thoughts on Jesus coming back, but his coming back is the source of hope. Uh, and where this passage is inappropriate used, it's inappropriately used if this is some sort of weapon to prove that we're right over other people. It's inappropriately used if we're not bringing about that encouragement and hope in others. Uh, It is almost most appropriately used graveside. Like this is a passage to comfort those who are left, those who are still alive, uh, who have seen death. What is the reaction of the Christian uh, to death. And it's 
that we we mourn. We still, when it says do not grieve, that doesn't mean that we are immune to the sadness that comes from losing a loved one. It doesn't mean that we critique other people. Oh, you're a Christian, then how come you're upset about that? That is an awful thing to do. Uh, it's we don't grieve like those who have no hope because in Christianity, knowing Jesus is coming back, knowing that death is not the end, that is why we have hope. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's even a question that we can ask on the front side of the conversation and that's just, what do we think about when we think about the coming of Christ? And if we are immediately thinking about um, trying to figure out all the details, all of the timing and the sequence of everything, then we may be going about it the wrong way. We may not understand exactly what Paul's going to be explaining to us in this passage. And if we also have in our minds um, some just uh, overwhelming thought of fear, like, oh my goodness, I have no idea that that sounds like it's going to be awful mm-hmm. or all of my plans for my life will be dashed because I have, I have my bucket list, you know, that we talk about. And, um, I want to make sure I get through that before Jesus comes back. Then this passage will hopefully kind of recalibrate some of our expectations and our ideas about what Christ's coming is even all about. Yeah. And Tom gave a great encouragement to us in the Erie, um, that, most times Americans don't want Christ's return because we have it already good enough. And his mm. point was that the church at large over the global church, over the centuries of famine and death and wars and rumor wars and um, the hardship looked and longed for the day of Christ's return in ways we can't imagine as, you know, we get up in a, a season of great exceptional blessing from Christ and freedom that we have and the ways in which we live as Americans in our context. Yeah, very true. that's good. That's good. So uh, let, let's get into it because we don't want to overspeak. The primary focus of the text is to encourage those who are alive uh, and those who have died, that there is still hope in the coming of Jesus. Uh, but we don't want to overreact and say this has nothing to do. We can't look at this to figure out at all about when, when Jesus is coming back. We're just saying if that takes us away from the thrust of providing hope, of providing encouragement, then we're missing it. So there still is value in uh, approaching this to see what does this show us about who God is? What does this show us about what, he's, what he has done, what he will continue to do? Uh, just like in all texts, we want to do that. And so we want to study it. We want to be rigorous, but we want to to do so understanding that the purpose is to provide hope. So uh, we said before, we're, we're affiliated with a group of churches uh, that go by the name the Evangelical Free Church of America. And uh, as such, we have a doctrinal statement that we receive from them, that we gladly receive from them, that we gladly affirm. Do you want to talk through that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I'll read what the EFCA believes about Christ's return. We believe in the personal bodily, and glorious return of our Lord Jesus Christ, the coming of Christ at a time known only to God, demands constant expectancy and, as our blessed hope, motivates the believer to godly living, sacrificial service, and energetic missions. Yeah, it's good. I love that statement. Yeah. That's a beautiful statement that just actually just encourages me yeah. to read it out loud. I agree. Yeah, there's a lot there, and and we bring it up not because this is better than Scripture, but because as we read Scripture, this is the conclusion that we come to. This is what we see as we read all of the passages that point to Jesus' return. This is a good summary of what we see that's to be like, what it's to be like, and how we are to live in light of that. Yeah, so there's some key words in this that we need to really speak up about when it comes to Christ's return. And there's there's major implications of why. And one of them, the first word that comes to mind in the, this sort of statement is personal. Why does the personal return of Jesus matter? Yeah, that's good. So uh, with a couple of these, it, it kind of shares the same answer. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now, so maybe you could fill in the, the gap of where it's at uh, in the text. But Jesus will come back in the same way that uh, he has gone, which refers to his his ascension, which uh, he was he was there. It was Jesus, the very same Jesus who was with the disciples. They recognized him. Uh, they knew who he was. Uh, he had a body at the time. He wasn't just some some ethereal spirit type thing. Uh, and it was glorious in that as well, that it was uh, a, a 
a tremendous event that shaped, that was part of the shaping factor of the disciples following after him in a way that was uh, completely out of character for how they were following him when he was with them physically on earth. Um, And so coming back in the same way, and we'll see that a bit in our passage, so I don't want to jump too far ahead. Just as he ascended, he will descend as well. That's Acts 1, 9 through 11. Thank you. And that is a glorious start to another great book of the Bible, but that's where you get that about Jesus will come back the way he which he left. And yeah. we, we see it as well here in, in the passage that we're talking about in First Thessalonians four sixteen, where Paul says the Lord himself will come mm. down from heaven. Yeah. You know, emphasizing the fact that it, it's personal in the sense that Jesus is the one coming back. It's not just some force spiritual experience, but actually Jesus himself is the one who's returning. Yeah. The next word here is bodily. Can I can I pause really yeah, fast on totally. that? Ooh. Uh, what I think is the great encouragement of this, uh, I, I've I've never seen Jesus. Like I, I didn't get to see what he looked like on this earth. Uh, as we talked about, I I barely made it to the eighties. Yeah, let, you let made only haven't you to the eighties? But haven't you seen the pictures of him? Oh, it's, it's <laughs> certainly, certainly. Yeah, he's blonde. He's yeah. got blue eyes. It's yeah. great. Uh, that's a different podcast. And we're already going to go along. But uh, I I haven't I haven't seen Jesus, and yet. Uh, the encouragement here is Jesus himself will come bringing his, uh, his believers to him himself. Uh, th- there isn't any confusion there. Like, is this Jesus? Uh, like, yeah. do we have, do we have to figure out if this is the right, like he is bringing his people to himself. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Cause I, I think that's such a beautiful part of this passage, but we will know that this is Jesus. We will know that this is him personally, him, even though we haven't, walked arm in arm with him before. Yeah, the encouragement is you won't miss it. If you're yeah. a life of believer, you won't miss Christ's return. That's right. So don't worry. You're not going to miss it. Mm-hmm. I love that. Great. Okay, bodily. Why does it matter that Jesus comes to us, comes back in a bodily form? Yeah, I would say, Jade, it goes back to Acts one eleven again and talking about the same way that Jesus ascended into heaven is the same way he's going to come back. Um, what really is significant about that is Jesus is ascending in a resurrected body. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 talks about the resurrection of Christ as being a kind of first fruits for all that will come after it, just like the first fruits of a crop represent just the initial harvest. And when Christ comes again, there will be another kind of inbringing of the harvest, so to speak, which um, represents the resurrection physically of our own bodies to be, um, that will be eternal, um, you know, bodies that never die again, which is a beautiful picture. But it, all of that points to the fact that this age to come that we are not yet in is an age that is physical, not only spiritual. Yeah, that our right. hope is a physical, tangible hope, not only something that is spiritual. So it's this comprehensive thing that includes every facet of our being, um, whether it's our immaterial or our material selves. All of that is being transformed and renewed, and our bodies will one day be a part of that. Yeah, and it's a reminder that God cares about the material things exactly. of us as yeah. well. That's right. yeah. You know, that's why we have such glorious taste buds and we can hear and perceive and why we have these bodies that are fading right now, but one day we'll put right, right, made perfect and just be awesome. I yeah. can't wait. Well, if you think those taste buds are glorious, yeah. wait till you see the coming of Jesus. Yeah. Because that's totally. our next word because it's going to be glorious. It will be glorious. Yeah. yeah. And that's a big new term that the EFCA voted in just in 2019. Um, glorious return of Jesus. It's just to give us the beautiful picture of Christ returning. Like yeah. we're just celebrating the future hope of this. Yeah. Yeah. And see this as well in our passage. And uh, right. uh, for me, what the, the biggest one is uh, chapter four, verse 16, uh, the description, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry, a command with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of a trumpet from God uh, of God and it, this isn't empty fanfare. This isn't uh, just like marking it as a tremendous event. These are symbols that have been rooted in passages talking about how God will make all things new. Uh, God will bring justice to this world. Symbols that go from Old Testament to new. It is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. I, have, I can't think of a single thing that would be more glorious than that. 
Yeah, and Zach, you're you're kind of demonstrating how all of these relate and tie in together because just like you said a minute ago regarding the personal nature of Christ's return and how we won't miss him, mm-hmm. um, even though we've never met him eyeball to eyeball. Yeah. Um, these signs, the glorious nature that these signs point to also point to that same point you were making earlier. That yeah. Nobody's going to miss these signs, even though Christ came relatively unnoticed the first time when he returns when he comes again, there will be no missing it at all. Yeah. yeah. The final thing I want to highlight out of the statement is the word energetic missions. Mm. And I think this is really important for us to talk about as, as just believers is that we care a lot about missions because we know that Jesus is returning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And you see that, um, especially when you get into the second half of this passage that we covered. That's right. Um, in chapter five, starting it kind of in verses five and six there, you, you really see Paul drawing out this distinction. It's kind of like this, here's what's going to happen with the day of the Lord, with the coming of Christ. So now here's what that means. Here's your significance. It's kind of the therefore statement where we are, it begins with our identity. We are children of light, not of the darkness. And so here's what it means, starting in verse 6 of chapter 5. Here's what it means for you to be children of light. Here's what it looks like to walk in the light rather than in the darkness. Yeah, I think chapter 5 is the exact right place to go when talking about this with our passage. Uh, In chapter 2, it says uh, that this event will come like a thief in the night, that it will be, uh, for those who are not following Jesus, it will be uh, a shock. It it will be uh, a a unglorious event. I couldn't think of what the negative of that was yeah. uh, off the top of my head. Uh, it, it will not be a good event because Jesus comes to bring people with himself. He will come to bring justice and judgment for all sins. Uh, yeah. The encouragement for those who are following Jesus comes in verse five, uh, as children of the light, uh, sorry, I missed it. Uh, verse four, you are not in darkness, brothers and sisters. Those who are following Jesus are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. We will not be caught off unaware. We that's won't right. miss it. That's the gloriousness. That's uh, We haven't met Jesus, but we will recognize him. We've talked about that before, but it will come as a shock. It will come uh, uh, in, a, in a way that people are not expecting it for those who are not following Jesus, and it won't be glorious. And so what we see we want all people to be rejoicing in that glorious return of Jesus when that comes and so because he will come back that is what spurs us on to make his name known yeah every tongue tribe nation must deserves a chance to hear yeah of Christ in Christ's return which is a that goes deep into the old testament but it's also repeated in the book of revelation too right in the throne room scene so I think I think that just brings up the point that when we look at this one passage from Paul, we're looking at a passage where he is addressing a very specific circumstance instead of um, just questions and issues that uh, a certain people are dealing with. And when we think about the return of Christ, um, Scripture says a lot about it, but it doesn't say everything in any one single place. Yeah. And so you just have to keep that in mind. When we're talking about this passage, we're trying to focus on what this specific passage says. There may be some questions, though, that you have that we don't answer because it's not in here. Yeah, and this right is a now. great pastoral, pastoral encouragement that you should be really good students of your Bible. Mm. You know, this is not to be an expert in these topical studies of the Bible, but understand the whole scope of your God's word and helped you understand where and when and all the details in which the scripture speaks of these events um, so that we can reference them, go back to them, connect the dots to all the great things that God has done throughout the story of God from creation to the end. Yeah, that's good. Uh, What's great about this statement is uh, most evangelicals, most Bible believing Christians, I, 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 at least in America, would hold to this statement or at least something like this statement. Uh, but that doesn't mean that all Christians are in agreement with understanding passages about Jesus coming. Uh, and what's really important to note is I we called them Christians. Mm-hmm. Christians read this differently, that we can still be brothers and sisters in Christ despite coming to different conclusions on this passage and other passages. And as Perry was saying, 
in order to get a more full, we can never get a full picture, and I think that's intentional. We can never get a full picture of what it will be like when Jesus comes. Uh, we don't have time to go through the nuances of different positions that Christians can hold uh, on on how they're viewing when Jesus comes back. We, we have some resources for that uh, before we talk about one specific area that is in this text, and we want to we want to walk through that. But we don't have the time or capacity, yeah, or the ability to to walk through all the different views that Christians have on this passage, on Matthew twenty four, on the Book of Revelation, on on Daniel, on Daniel, on Ezekiel, on uh, every section that is pointing to what God will one day do, which is littered throughout the Bible, and we're glad that it is littered throughout the Bible. We don't have time to go through every single one of those texts and do it justice, but we do want to point out Christians land differently, and that is okay. We are still brothers and sisters in Christ because of that. Yeah, and evangelical convictions, it says after talking about this statement. What's Evangelical Convictions? Well, it's a book that the EFCA published mm. of our doctrine view. It's a great resource. We'll talk about that later. Okay, But good. they say this, major on the majors and minor on the minors mm. is a, a, a cry that the EFCA has wanted to do when it comes to the return of Jesus. And so I back you up, Zach, that there's many godly believers who have differed on the positions of these nuance categories that love Christ, love to be faithful, love to be on mission with God, and still maybe disagree upon these, as we see them, details of the text. Yeah. So so let's let's say, uh, and, and I know our listeners are gonna are gonna be doing this because they're yeah. they're wonderful. They they're reading their Bible. They they want to know more of who God is and what He's done for us. Uh, and so they they see yes, the point of seeing the coming of Jesus is to give hope and to encourage one another. Yes, we fully recognize that people can land differently on these positions and still be brothers and sisters in Christ. Fully believe that, which is good. Uh, if there is still desire to learn more about what is Jesus coming going to be like, where where can we point people? Yeah, so, you know, we've, between the three of us and Pastor Tom speaking into some of these subject matters over the years, um, there's like a few critical resources that we just encourage people at Calvary to read, and one of those being Evangelical Convictions. It's a book. Um, it's in the show notes. It'll be linked. Mm to Amazon, that's a great resource for you if you're going to be at Calvary for a very long time to know what we actually believe. Um, another resource here is The Meaning of the Millennium. It's four views. It's published by IVP. Um, Klaus is the the editor, and it's just a really great understanding of the implications of all the views, of the four major views of Jesus coming back and the millennium. That's a big word. Yeah, I do want to haven't talked about caution people on on this book. So I have a really old copy. Yeah. And it's got just the most ridiculous cover <laughs> of all time. So if you are Googling this book and, and an image pops up that looks really bizarre for the cover, that's okay. The content is inside is still good. Yeah. Uh don't be scared off by it, even though I sometimes still am. Yeah. And it, you know, we always encourage people at Calvary to get a great Study Bible, e, mm. the uh, ESV Study Bible is a great yep. sort of guide. We talked about that before on the podcast. Um, but also another thing to add to your Christian library, your resource center, is commentaries. And one of those that has just been exceptional for my study, what I've appreciated, is the Osborne commentary on Revelation. And it is a great, um, great commentary set. It's huge. It looks like a giant paperweight, but it's a Baker uh, exegetical commentary on the New Testament. Like I said, I'll I'll link these in the show notes. And Osborne is his last name. Just Osborne. Yep. Perfect. Yep. Osborne. Yeah. Grant Osborne. Great. So those are just four resources. So a good study Bible. It's going to help you walk through the text. Maybe um, give you some rabbit trails to run down. Some yep. ideas to go study. Evangelical conviction. The meaning of the millennium. And a good commentary like the Osborne one. That's great. 
Yeah. Okay, let's let's jump into how do different Christians we with, can't drag our feet any longer? No, you're oh, you're I know gotcha. you've been dancing. <laughs> but uh how do we how do different Christians interpret the passage about Jesus coming and the text that we found ourselves in this week in First Thessalonians? And we got two of the resident experts. Yeah, that's right. Perry and Jay are here as no, resident uh, experts. I was going to say, where, did they step Definitely out of the room? Because <laughs> I don't see them. I just make coffee, guys. Yeah, that's, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, as we said, point of the passage is to give hope for those who are alive, those who are dead, that Jesus is coming back. And we want to have a mentality that in approaching this passage, we are building hope in others, we are encouraging others, and that... Uh, it, the views within that uh, do not discourage or uh, take us apart from being able to have fellowship with other Christians. Hey, Zach, let me interrupt here. Let's turn on the music, cue the music for Fantastic. a little bit. Let's take a little break. I want to get into uh, this uh, time to pause and give some announcements at Calvary. How about that? That sounds good. Okay. Since we're at 30 minutes, okay. we got, it's commercial break. Good. It's like hockey. Yeah. Second quarter coming up. There's no quarters in hockey. Second half. There's no halves. (laughs) Period. There There it is. I found it. I found it. (laughs) Hey, Calvary. It's so good to be with you. I'm hoping you're enjoying this conversation today with Zach and Perry. We're so glad you're listening in. Just heads up. Go to calvarybible.com. Submit your prayer request or if you need anything at Calvary, we'd love to hear from you. Calvarybible.com is such a great resource for you. It's for us. You can also click on your perspective campus, go to the mobile bulletin. You can find out the details of what's happening online, uh, on Thornton, on Boulder, and on Erie campus. Um, it's Like I said, it's a great resource for you in these days ahead of us. Also, there's a really great resource under Watch the Message. We have uh, categories broken down. Years ago, a good friend of ours, Beck, categorized all the sermons that we had archived you can search pastor tom's messages on the end times by that category at calvarybible.com slash messages messages do me good zach messages thank you i don't know why i couldn't say that word that's all good anyways that's our commercial break now back to the great conversation we're having Hey, how do you like our theme music? It's good. Yeah? Yeah. I like how there's an easy segue into knowing when I'm supposed to to start. Totally. Yeah. If it wasn't for that, we'd probably be like, is this now? Do I, do I start Just now? Just staring yeah. at each yeah, other. Yeah, Long right. before the podcast came about, Thomas and I were li- listening to theme music, and our first argument about the podcast happened over the theme music. Mm. And guess who won? No. Not you? Definitely. This is a Thomas pick. It's <laughs> good. There we go. That's great. That's I miss good. that guy. Yeah. Anyways, all right. Let's jump into the conversation. We were just talking about how do different Christians view the challenges and the perspectives that come out of First Thessalonians four. Yeah, I was just starting to get into the zone. Okay, great. And you snatched me out. Sorry. Of it. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, one one particular part of Jesus uh, coming uh, we see in this passage, and it is what is referred to as the rapture, uh, where this is coming from, uh, the, the word here in um, chapter 4, uh, verse, uh, losing it, uh, 16? No. Uh, 15, uh, declare to you by word of the Lord that we are alive who are left until that's not it either. Uh, this is going great. It's in verse 17. Verse 17. Yeah, the word for Thank caught you. up. The, that's the right. ESV translates will be caught up. caught up. Other uh, translations used uh, to snatch or, or um, what are some other ways that you've seen it rendered, Perry? Um, I think snatched up is kind of a common way, but caught up here as an ESV is something that I've also heard. I, I haven't heard it put a lot of different ways, but it's of course the same word behind it in the Greek original Greek text, which, you know, just kind of carries that idea of being snatched away. It was sometimes used of the effect of death 
on people. Mm. So death would snatch people away from, from the living. And so it, I think that that is an intentional use by Paul, or at least it, it could definitely be a, an intentional use by Paul to be able to just convey how, well, when Christ comes, he'll do a different kind of snatching away, snatching away from death in order to bring people to himself. Yeah, that's right. And with the different ways of reading this passage, it is uh, when is Jesus bringing people, snatching people, or catching them up to be with him? When is when is he doing that? And again, we don't have time to get into all the passages that talk about Jesus coming back, but it, it probably is important just to bring up uh, one or an idea that's found kind of throughout. Uh, there is a discussion throughout uh, the Bible in, in Old and New Testaments uh, that there will be this period of tribulation, not just the general uh, difficulties that, that the church is going through, which is something we should expect. Paul, mm-hmm. Silas, and Timothy have already told us that. Chapter 3, we are destined to affliction. This is a different time uh, of great tribulation. It's mentioned by that name in Revelation 7:14. We don't have time to get into those details, but if there is this period, is Jesus bringing people to himself before that tribulation or after that tribulation? There are, there are some as well who think it could be possibly in the middle of that tribulation. So when is it that Jesus is doing this? Uh, and, it, and it basically gets us to this idea, is Jesus bringing people to himself at his second coming, a one-time event where he brings people to himself, or is he doing that before where he's creating a different type of event with the church? Uh, So to talk about that first one, those who believe that Jesus is doing this uh, before it's his full second coming where he's setting up his his, uh, millennial reign, which again, read those other resources we gave you for that. Those who see it as coming before fit into uh, what is, and and here's our our big word for it, the pre-tribulation rapture. So it is Jesus bringing people to himself before that period of the tribulation. Uh, If those are already confusing details, totally get it. Just uh, stick with us. Uh, Most uh, no, not most is not what I want. This is a fairly common view with American evangelicals uh, that believe that this passage here is talking about a pre-tribulation rapture uh, that has unfortunately been uh, documented in the movie Left Behind and has had impact on us expecting exactly that, or uh, we get to laugh a little bit at the cheesiness of the movie, uh, which I hope we can all do across across the board. But the idea behind it is trying to capture what many uh, 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 very good uh, uh, people who are reading the Bible properly and well uh, are, are coming to on this position, that Jesus will bring people to himself at this period before the, the tribulation. So those who are dead and those who are alive will be caught up, will be snatched to be with him, in heaven, and then they will come with him after the tribulation in the second coming. And a key verse for this uh, that people go to is is Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, uh, where uh, it's talking to the church at Philadelphia, uh, because you, this church, have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial. Another way of saying that, the tribulation that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. So it is keeping them from this period that will happen. So the belief is that Jesus will come, will gather these people to keep them so that they are not with uh, there during this period of trying those who dwell on the earth. And we have a similar idea that can be found here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. It's for God is not destined us for wrath, which wrath comes in the tribulation, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So in this reading, it is since God will protect his people uh, and because there's still some work to do with Israel in this idea that there is this two-part return. Jesus comes, uh, he brings people to himself to heaven, but his full coming comes after the tribulation. Did I miss anything? Is there anything I could correct inside of that? I think one just basic point that I don't know that we've mentioned so far is that the word rapture comes from the Greek word. It's rapture is Latin. Um, so it's the Latin translation of the Greek word that Paul uses here 
um, for snatching up or gathering. So when in verse 17, where um, that word that we were just talking about being caught up, um, the word there is harpazo in Greek. So the Latin version of that word is where we get the English word rapture. So either way, you can from a technical side say, oh yeah, we all believe in the rapture because it's there. It's just it's just a difference of what we mean when we say the word rapture yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. And, when, when is yeah. it? Yeah. And one of the issues we have to do deal with in this whole conversation about all these views is Revelation 20 where we're told that there will be a millennial reign in, um, in the text there. So like we're trying to think about First Thessalonians and right. also try to put it someplace with Revelation 20, what we're told about Jesus is coming. And I think that's a, it's a good point to make, Jay, because whenever we're dealing with the study of the end times or what other people call eschatology, whenever we, whenever we start talking about that, we, we get into um, a situation where we have to start to interpret various passages. Cause just like we said a few minutes ago, we don't have a single passage that gives a comprehensive view yeah. of all of the details about um, every issue related to eschatology. So what we have to do is try to interpret each passages, each passage um, individually and then kind of put them together as a composite. Whenever you do that, it gets more complicated, and especially when we're talking about things that we're looking at um, that are in the future that we're, you know, obviously have not experienced yet. So. Yeah, and may I reference once again, Tom's message is in the so show notes of how he goes about putting those things together. Super Great. helpful. Yeah. Love technology. And because of that complexity, there are differences of reading this. And because of that complexity, we want to be charitable to each other who are within yes. Orthodox Christianity. Yeah, uh, totally. That's a uh, good point. That, that are landing on this differently. So that was one of the the primary views that we uh, see with within uh, American evangelicalism. Uh, the other primary one, not to offend our, our mid-trib brothers and sisters, um, but the, the other primary way of understanding this is what is called, uh, where it's not pre-tribulation, uh, it is post-tribulation. And uh, as you're working through some of your beliefs, this this theory or a version of this pops up in quite a few ways of understanding in times. And the idea is that there is a, the tribulation that's being talked about is, is not a literal seven years, but it's, it's either going on now or it will be a literal seven years that will happen uh, at some point in the future. And that Jesus, uh, it will occur right before Jesus return. And so what this passage is talking about when Jesus is bringing uh, those who are dead, uh, those believers who are dead, and those uh, Christians who are alive will be brought to himself to meet him in the air. They will turn right around at that moment and come to this earth and uh, establish uh, Jesus' kingdom, either millennial or otherwise, which don't worry about those details. We don't have time for that. But uh, that's a, a, another view of going on. And, and a big part of it is that word that was used in verse uh, chapter 4, verse 16, that meet in the air. Uh, Perry, can you help us understand that, that meeting that's going on? Sure. So just to, just to back up a second, um, what you just said, Zach, is pretty important to just try to try to wrap our minds around some of the differences of interpretation here. Um, you can think of it in definitely in the way that you've described it in terms of is this a pre or post tribulational kind of picture here. But you can also think of it in a more of a location or geographic difference too. Um, so one of the, the question that kind of hinges here is when Jesus is coming as he's portrayed in the passage. And then you see this idea of then we who are alive, who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Is that then representing, um, well, let me even back up to what I just said. What happens next? That's the question really that these differences hinge on. Yeah. Do you go up to heaven yep. or are we coming back to the earth? So the case for coming back to the earth hinges on a couple of words uh, one of them is the word parousia in Greek, which is uh, where we get the English word coming from here. Um, so when it, we talk about the coming of the Lord, parousia was an event um, that oftentimes referred to the coming of kind of a royal official who would visit a town or a, some other kind of VIP. 
And what would often happen in that scenario relates to the word for a meeting, apontesis, which is a noun here in this passage. But that's that's the word where, it's, where it says we'll be caught up with them in the clouds to meet. It's apontesis, the Lord in the air. So that word for meeting often refers to, outside of the Bible, this idea of, um, again, a dignitary visiting a city or a certain location, and there would be a kind of welcome party who would go outside of the city, outside of that location, to welcome the person back. We see that we only see the word three times, including where we see it here in the New Testament. Um, the other one, the the first use of it is when Jesus is telling the parable of the wedding feast, and it's used to talk about the welcome party that goes outside to meet the bridegroom and welcome him back in. And then we see it in the book of Acts when Luke is describing when Paul is on his way as a prisoner to Rome, and it says that there's a group of the church in Rome who went outside the city to welcome him into the city. So we only see it a few times, but of those times, it's it's referring to the situation where the meeting happens so that they would then return as like an entourage or welcoming party. So when you apply that to this passage, the thought is, well, Jesus is coming to the earth and we are going up to meet him, to escort him back to the earth, to, to establish his rule and his reign here on earth. Yeah. In, in case you want to check out those passages, Matthew 25, 10 is the first one. Acts 28, 14 and 15 is, is the second one. Yeah. Uh, so you can read it for yourself. Uh, so what this sees is that uh, the this rapture leads to the immediate return with Jesus, ushering him in as that uh, as they would have that foreign delegate. Uh, yeah. uh, so it, it's also seen uh, all of those passages about the day of the Lord and the coming of Jesus, which we have talked about as a unified event, or at least uh, coming from the same. Uh, the same initiating uh, of event uh, of going on there. So the uh, as we've talked about, it's when is it and where is it going to is the differences between these two main positions on this topic. Yep, that's great. So why why are these uh, why does this matter why why do we spend this super long podcast talking about the differences we've said the primary point of the text is giving hope to those who are alive and those who are dead um, oh, we we've talked about how too often this gets used as a weapon so uh, we, we gave a lot of caution in there on the front half so why is it worth looking at these differences I think. F- for one reason, Zach, is just simply because they are questions that people commonly have. Mm-hmm. I, I think it it's helpful if we are aware of the different interpretive options that have been out there. And um, so we can talk to our brothers and sisters in the Lord about um, these kinds of details and these kinds of matters and just to understand for ourselves how people have come to different conclusions. And um, while we certainly want to just emphasize the fact that these should be issues that don't divide us. Mm. We also should acknowledge the fact that these are differences that can impact the way we think about Christ's coming and his return. And so they matter, even though they aren't something that should, should divide us at all. Um, but they do end up um, reflecting differences of interpretation about what it is that we're looking forward to when Christ comes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, Paul reminds us even in another epistle, Colossians, that we set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. And these are ways in which we can set our mind on things that are of Christ and what he's doing and possibly doing. And it keeps us from being so discouraged on our day-to-day on just on the earthly things of the temptations that we do have of like entertainment and Um, wasting time and um, all those type of things that sort of pacify us in this time while we wait for Jesus is this this gives us a glorious hope like our our statement says to go into the world to live a godly life to participate in a godly community and to reach the world for Christ that there are nations and tribes and tongues and people groups that still have not been reached that need to be reached um, before Christ's return. And so those are the things that we set our minds on. 
And that's what we, the things we think about and pray about. Yeah, and what I I think as well, just to wrap up the what is what is good about these differences, how can they help us? I mean, it shows that people are wrestling with the text. It's right. uh, when we are doing it well, which is encouraging one another with this, with it's not using it as a weapon, with seeing the primary focus of the text. It's showing that people are wrestling with it, trying best to understand uh, of what is this going to be like. And and we are so unified on on so many different areas, but it's coming together to show you are reading it this way, trying to understand uh, more of Jesus, what he will do. And I'm doing the same thing. And you can help spur me on to have a better understanding. And I, I could do the same as well. And I, I thought about it as well. Uh, our Easter passage at Erie and at Thornton, we, we looked at the road to Emmaus and uh, Jesus is, is speaking with his disciples. They don't know him and is opening up scripture to them. And, and he criticizes them uh, for not understanding that Jesus was a fulfillment of what was going on in the Old Testament. And, and we like how how awful would that would be? I mean, I'll be in Jesus' presence, so I, I'll take all the criticism that I deserve. But but how much better is it for us to wrestle with the scripture that's been given to us together, even as people come on different conclusions? How much better is it to wrestle through that now to get a better and more full picture of the gloriousness of Jesus and the fact that he will return? Uh, that is so encouraging to me, and that is what we're supposed to be getting out of this passage, is encouragement. And so the differences, it's so sad that this happened. The differences have become a weapon, have right. become ways to divide us when the differences can be something that does the exact opposite, and it's what we're supposed to be doing. We are called to be one, and the differences can help us to do that, and it, that makes no sense, and yet it makes all the sense in the world. That totally does. Zach, I'll tell you what the theme of this podcast has been is the theme you said we don't have time we don't mm-hmm. have time uh, in this podcast in 50 minutes already to talk about all the nuances of jesus return but we are here available for any conversation you want to have you can always reach out to us at this email address called the weekly at calvarybible.com we love to hear from you love for you to dialogue with us continuing to understand Jesus's glorious return mm. that we look forward to and long for. Calvary, we love this conversation. Let's keep up. Let's keep the dialogue up. Let's keep digging into the things of God. I want to leave you today just to sum up this whole conversation in Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. May that just be an encouragement to you, Calvary, as we continue to talk about these things, think about these things, pray about these things. And above all, we love you, and thanks so much for listening to this edition of The Weekly. Once again, you can always reach out to us at theweekly at calvarybible.com. And we look forward to next week, unless the Lord comes back. That's right. Maybe he does. I hope he does. Yeah. I'll be disappointed if I'm here next week. All right. Bye, guys.